Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hi, fans. We welcome you into the very first episode of 2020. This is Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Kenobi. A jam-packed show for you, and would you expect anything less? Joining us on the show today, he is top-ranked ESPN's Tim Bradley Jr. He is in the news for his comments that he made following uh, that Terrence Crawford performance, getting the PB side, PBC side all riled up. We'll get his response to what Danny Garcia said about him, as well as his, his thoughts on the Wilder and Fury rematch, as well as Jesse Hart and Joe Smith fight uh, coming up uh, this weekend over on uh, ESPN. Also joining us on the show, Karan Batia. He is a guest that comes on with us a lot here. We're going to do a standing eight count. We're going to debate eight of the biggest topics in boxing, three, round, three minutes apiece, Eight rounds. We're going to talk about everything that's going on in boxing. There's a lot of things going on. We're going to look forward uh, to 2020. We're going to look forward to the 2020s, the decade. We're also going to touch on all the topics that have happened uh, since uh, we last spoke. There's a lot of things to talk about. Uh, you know, Tank Davis uh, was in action. We also have uh, things that are going on in the heavyweight division. Finally, we're seeing Wilder and and uh, and, and Wilder and Fury in that rematch. No press tour. Big pay-per-view numbers being thrown around uh, for that one. We'll talk about with that with Tim Bradley as well. But a lot to get in uh, with the standing eight count, a segment that I love doing here on Inside Boxing Live. A lot of fights coming up in the month of January. Not exactly the greatest fights, but we're getting action. Back in the day, I don't want to date myself because I'm only uh, 31 years old, but back in the day, you had a time where... The, I would say about December 15th to about mid-January, no fights. There was no boxing on the schedule back when it was just HBO, maybe ESPN and Showtime. You got nothing. Now, we got four platforms. We got content coming out. The yin-yang, you got to have fights, and we're getting it this weekend. We got Jesse Hart going up against Joe Smith over in, in, uh, in AC. That is a, a big fight. Uh, in the 175-pound division, two fighters that are kind of at a crossroads uh, between Jesse Hart and Joe Smith. The winner of that one should... Get back into title contention uh, at 175. Go over to uh, Philadelphia. You know, Clarissa Shields are going up against Ivana Hasabin. If you've been looking up uh, you know, the, the history of these two, it, there's a lot of juicy storylines here with uh, Shields and Hasabin. Uh, they had, of course, their, their most recently, Clarissa Shields, uh, a family member, attacked Hasabin's trainer. It was an ugly, ugly scene. They're going to get back into the ring. They're going to do their things. Alicia Napoleon Espinosa, also in action. She's a friend of the show, uh, and she will be in action. And if, she, and if she wins her fight and Shields wins her fight, they're going to kind of set them up for a crash course. That would be a, a big fight in the in women's boxing. Uh, Jerome Boots Ennis, also in action. He is one of the best young prospects in boxing. He'll be fighting over on, on Showtime as well. Then, of course, on zone, Jaime Munguia and Spike O'Sullivan. I'm interested in Jaime Munguia, see what he's got. He's a guy, super popular. Um, but he has to work on his craft a little bit. He's got Eric Morales in his corner, and I think we're going to see a lot from Wangia and what he will be moving forward. He's moving up to 160. I mean, he was a giant uh, uh, junior middleweight uh, over there at 154. Now he goes to 160, and there were a the guy that could punch. Spike O'Sullivan has that one-hitter quitter. That would be a good fight over on his own. ton of fights this weekend. 
But the one fight we want to talk about is a fight that is going on as we speak, as we sit here and record this show for you inside Boxing Live. Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford are going not just 12 rounds, they're going 15 rounds, folks. They're going at it on Twitter. I don't even know where to start. I'm going to start with Crawford. Crawford started this whole thing. He went after uh, uh, Terrence Crawford last night. Uh, that's Crawford going after Spence. He tweeted, I'm ready when you're ready. Matter of fact, I've been ready before at a 147-pound fight. Like I've been said, you don't. You got these people fooled. Not me. Whenever you get back right, I'll smoke you. All you got to do is sign the contract. Next, I'm on your head. Go over to Spence's side. Spence is saying, all right, sounds good. The only time I hear you is on social media. Don't act like a boss now that he uh, Bob handles your stuff. Make it happen. I don't choke off smoke, dude. I don't know exactly what that means, but Errol Spence also said that fights don't get made on Twitter. I beg to differ. We're going to talk about this in a standing eight count with Kerem Batia. Fights do get made on Twitter. You got to think about it. Every time Bud Crawford logs on Twitter and goes into his mentions, he has to see when you fight Spence, when you fight Spence, fight Spence. You're nothing till you fight Spence. I think it's got to a boiling point. I think it's got to a breaking point, and we're seeing it right here play out right in front of us here between Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford on Twitter. I think it could eventually lead to a fight. I do think there's there's pros and cons of of going at it on Twitter, but if it brings you the biggest fight. That's the fight I want to see. But upcoming next year on Inside Boxing Live, he is top-ranking ESPN broadcaster. He's a former world champ. He's Tim Bradley Jr. Our next interview on Inside Boxing Live is brought to you by Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden and Times Square. Go into Jack Doyle's for all your entertainment needs. From happy hours to birthday parties to private events, Jack Doyle's has you covered. Once again, that's Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located on 240 West 35th Street. Joining us right now here on the Skype hotline, he is the former 140-pound champ. He is Tim Desert Storm Bradley calling in uh, here on Inside Boxing Live. Our first guest of uh, 2020. It's going to be a great year. You're getting right back into it uh, for ESPN. A top-ranked fight coming up this weekend in Atlantic City. you got Jesse Hart against Joe Smith. 175-pound division. Two guys that can really bang. This should be a good one. Oh, man. This is a fight right yeah. here. You know, Hart, Hart is an emotional type of guy, man. A lot of times, you know, you got to be able to control those emotions. And, and Hart's been able to do that. But I have to say, you know, Smith, Smith, he fights with a lot of emotion, too. Very prideful. Um, he's an aggressive fighter. Got good punching power. You know, he put up a good fight against B-Ball. Um, you know, back I think three years ago, he fought against Bernard Hopkins. Uh, knocked Bernard Hopkins out of the ring. He got a KO victory right there. And I think, you know, Hart has some emotion built up from that fight. You know, Jesse Hart is, is a is a B-Hop fan. You know, they come from the same area. He grew up watching him as a little kid. You know, this fight to him is, it, it's, it's important. It's not about money. It's not about anything. It's just about getting that win back for his city. You know, Philadelphia, and for his idol, Bernard Hopkins. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a pretty serious fight. Yeah, of course. And the 175-pound picture, is it's pretty wide open, and it's there's a lot of, like, fights to be made uh, should a winner emerge from this. You know, Jesse Hart has got chances for world titles. He wins this. He's right back in the picture. Same thing for Long Island's own Joe Smith, who packs one of the biggest, toughest punches, one of the heaviest hitters in all of boxing. He rocked Duval at the end of that round. What's that? 
Mike got open hand right, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's got, ball about it. <laughs> yeah, that's a big fight coming up. That's the first fight uh, on, on top rank here on, on ESPN. But another fight that we know is coming up February 22nd. This is a big one, Tim. Uh, ESPN and PBC coming together to bring us the rematch between Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. We don't know exactly who's going to be part of the broadcast. We know that you'll be part of it in, in some capacity. Uh, this fight, it's a long time uh, coming from their first fight. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, do you, how do you see Fury heading into it? Uh, look at it from that side first. Fury heading into it, given his last two fights and that fight with Otto Wallin that was a lot tougher than I think that he thought it was going to be. Well, you know, Styles made fights. Otto Wallin was a southpaw. Um, and, you know, Tyson Fury, he told us in the fighter meetings, typically he says, you know what? The guys that I'm supposed to beat, I have a hard time with. I don't know why. I fight down to the level of my competition. But the guys that I'm not supposed to beat, you know, I beat them. So, you know, in saying that, I think that, you know, we're going to see the best Tyson Fury. Um, I think that he needed to go those rounds against Adovalin. I think he had a lot of rust, you know, built up because he only had been one round since the Deontay Wilder clash. Um, Deontay Wilder will be, will be a lot better. I saw him in his fight against uh, Ortiz. Um, he was a lot more patient, uh, a little bit more methodical. Uh, you know, he set up that right hand. He let the older fighter wear down. Um, I think this time around, I think he's going to want to knock out Tyson Fury. He's going to have to be really aggressive. You cannot allow Tyson Fury to be able to think in there, man. He's a thinking fighter. And, you know... I don't know if you guys seen it, but you saw the, the trainer change. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good thing. I, I think that, honestly, it doesn't matter who trains Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is a fighter, man. And he's a boxer. And you can't change a guy like Tyson Fury. He's going to fight the way he fights, you know. And if you give him time to think, you know, then he's going to pick you to pieces. You know, he's going he's gonna to take you off your game. Great movement. Great boxing ability, great IQ, great length. He's big, he's tall, you know, and he can move. And he can punch a little bit. I see the fight playing out the same way, but I have to say this. If Wilder lands that right hand, it could be over. Yeah. You know, and that's the anticipation of all the fans that's going to be watching, including myself, you know, because I believe that Fury should win this fight because he's just a better boxer. But if Wilder can catch him with that right hand, it was good night. Yeah, I know, and that's that's the main storyline. That's been the storyline in, in Deontay Wilder's career, and then you touched on a little bit. That's yeah. why we watch Deontay Wilder fight is because he could be losing every round. He could be losing every minute. And he said it afterwards uh, against Ortiz. I only have to be perfect for one second. He has to be perfect for every part of the fight. Same thing with Fury. And coming into this fight, looking at it from Wilder's standpoint, do you yes. think that, that Fury um, has what it takes, or I, I think he does, but do you think Fury can do that? Do you think he can fight that perfect fight, kind of walking on eggshells, doing what he has to do, pump that jab out there? Or do you think the two fights that he had with Wallene may not, uh, you know, maybe sh the fight he had with Wallene maybe slowed him down a bit heading into this rematch? No, I think I think Fury can fight a, a perfect fight. Absolutely. And and like I said, styles make fights. You know, it's a different type of style, and this guy, and this guy is 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 a little bit bigger, um, a little bit bigger than Otto Valin, but he's not a southpaw. He's a right-hander. It's a lot easier for a right-hander to fight to face a right-hander. You know, a guy that doesn't typically move 
And like uh, Otto Valin, Otto Valin fight from the South Opposition attacked Fury's body. I think you're going to see a lot of that coming from Deontay Wilder's side, attacking Fury's body because Otto Valin had success when he was doing that. But I still see the same type of fight. Um, I don't see a, a, like a, a lot of punches being thrown by either guy. I see a calculated fight. And then, you know, it'll pick up. And I believe that Tyson Fury, I, I quote, I think I've read him. I think I've read him saying that if he hurts Deontay Wilder, he's going to take that chance and to step into him and trying to knock him out. And that can be dangerous for him. <laughs> that can yeah, definitely he's going to have to. He's going to have to. That's a, that's a good game plan uh, for him. Another fight we got. But it's not set, but it's a fight that all fight fans want. And it's a fight that you know very much about. You made your comments uh, on ESPN. First of all, I want to ask you, when you made the comments afterwards, did you think it would set off the all-out I want to say war, that's not the right term to use, but the all-out aggression between the PBC camp and the top right camp. When you made those comments at the end of the ESPN uh, telecast, uh, what did you think was going to happen after you said them? Man, I don't <laughs> care. I didn't think anything. Come on. And I've been doing this 23 years of my life. And the difference between me and somebody else that never did it before is the fact that I've done it. So you can't tell me anything. And, you know, and when I'm speaking, I'm speaking from the heart, man. I'm speaking as a fighter and as a fan. You know, it's not about just top rank. It's about giving the fight fans what they want to see, including myself. I want to see the best fights in boxing. And I'm willing to scream out and let everybody know what the real is. Remember, I'm in the inside of things. You can believe me or not believe me, but I'm in the inside. I'm in a different position than anybody else is. I know what goes on behind closed doors we hear everything that goes on and me being in this side being a fighter and knowing how things work you know if a fighter wants a fight he just has to tell his promoter i want this fight right you got a guy like deontay wilder who says i don't care i want this fight with fury i don't care he's on the other side of the street i'm willing to go over there and do it so with that being said that shows you and that shows should show the fans that fights can be hap- can be made. Yeah, I mean, if this fight is happening, Wilder's yeah. a PBC fighter. Yeah, I mean, they what you fight. said, and also what you said is is kind of. I mean, it was a, been a conversation for a while, obviously, Spence and Crawford and the sides of the streets. It, you what you kind of said kind of got it back going, kicked it into another gear. Crawford, dang right. Crawford now is is going at it as we speak. If you go on Twitter right now, you'll see Crawford and Spence having dialogue together. They're going back and forth. But what you said kind of, it, it did ruffle feathers and it got some people angry on the PB side, PBC side of things. One fighter in particular, I know you heard these comments, came from Danny Garcia, who had some things to say about you, said that he doesn't respect you anymore. I'm reading it right now. He said he's nothing but a top-ranked puppet, never fought anyone uh, outside of top rank. Since you're so worried, come out of retirement and you fight Terrence Crawford. What do you have to say to Danny Garcia? <laughs> he said, he want me to come out and fight him? No. Garcia, why don't you come out? Why don't you come over and fight Terrence Crawford? Like, what are you talking about? I'm retired, kid. And you want me to come back and fight Terrence Crawford? You a welterweight, right? Aren't you the number one contender for his belt? For the WBO? Why don't you fight Terrence Crawford and get a belt and get a strap? It makes no sense, man. You know, these guys are looking for outs. These guys are looking for leverage. These guys are looking for opportunities. Like, Like, this is what they do. I'm letting you know. Fans, listen up. This is what they do. They look for an opportunity to be the A side of things. That's what they want. It's all about the money. You know, I don't believe that these fighters are scared to 
face the face, you know, top uh, t- you know top ranked fighters, like Terrence Bud Crawford, but they're being told, just hey, chill out, relax. You know, eventually the fight will be made, but we want to be the A side of things. So Spence right now, he has two belts, two belts right now. So particularly going into the fight, he's going to be the A side because he holds down two belts. But in all reality, I believe the fight between him and Terrence Crawford should be 50-50 split. You know, I believe that. I believe that Terrence Crawford is the best welterweight out there, but he doesn't have a chance to prove it because Spence is holding down the two belts. And plus, he's on the other side of the street. And Spence is just trying to hold out as long as he possibly can to try to get as most money as he possibly can. Because when he faces Terrence Crawford, he's going to get knocked out. <laughs> he's getting stopped. And you heard it here. And I don't care what anybody say. I like that, man. I like their passion. There's a, there's Fans love it. The fans love the passion. Uh, anything we can do to get these fights going. And if it means you have a huge platform, you have arguably the biggest platform there is with ESPN. I think the fans appreciate it. I think everyone appreciates getting this going because I don't think the fans care about who's getting paid more, who's who, who's the A-side, who's the... They just want to see them fight. To close it out, to, to before we let you go back on, on what your day, do you think... 2020, we get this fight, since you, you're on the inside. You know things. Will we, will we with, see with, this fight in 2020, Spence and Crawford? With Spence? Yeah. No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I don't care what he says. Oh, I'm coming back. I'm going to fight, you know, coming back from a car accident, all of this stuff. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to fight some, you know, a, a top guy out there. Please, man. Well, when it, when it gets hot, when it does happen then I believe it. Until then, I don't believe anything that come out of his mouth or what he says. Um, you know, I respect Spence. I think he's a tremendous fighter. And a lot of people think that I don't. I, I they, Oh, you hater this. You on the side. You on it. No. No. Because action speaks louder than words, people. Action. I don't care what you say. Put up or be quiet. Put up or shut up. That's just it. It's simple. Show me that you're the best in the world. Okay, show me, show the fans. All right, why do we gotta wait three years, four years for a fight to happen? Absolutely, it shouldn't. Ha- it shouldn't be like that, man. I agree, one hundred percent agree. Tim Bradley, you're a passionate guy. We love the passion here. Thank you so much for joining us. Safe hey. travels to Atlantic City. You'll be on the call, Jesse Hart and Joe Smith. Yep. That is Check the us out, baby. that is the main event on I Top Rank on ESPN. Job, man. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. See you next time. Listen, the world on the internet is a very nasty place, even for world championship fighters. I got one with me right here, Danny Garcia. Let's read some mean tweets. What do you say? I'm ready. Let's go. These are a lot of tweets. Sheesh. Good thing I know how to read. (laughs) If Danny Garcia trimmed his eyebrows, he could fight in a lightweight. (laughs) That's a good one. But no, I can't. Trust me. I got... I got hairier spots in my body, so I probably ain't gonna. Be, I probably will never make lightweight. I was a lightweight when I was like 15, and plus I got too much money in my pocket, so that makes me a lot heavier. Danny Garcia looks like his toughest fight is keeping his eyebrows from engaging in his facial incest. <laughs> I do have a unibrow though, I ain't gonna lie. But it's character, you know. If I was perfect, you wouldn't have nothing to talk about. So, you know, your imperfections is what makes you famous. Danny Garcia about to get back to Philly and sell some cars with that H&M turtleneck. <laughs> I made the turtleneck famous, bro. Don't hate. You feel me? <laughs> Danny Garcia is on his sixth tune-up fight 
one for everyone. The toes on his mutual uh, mutant foot. <laughs> hey, look, man, we all gotta stay active. I mean, I can't. The, the show must go on. The show must go on. It's the Danny Garcia show. Just make sure you buy your tickets, come to the fight, and enjoy a great night of boxing. I'm gonna give you guys some more, you know, something else to talk about. Danny Garcia really got six toes. That's why his footwork be on point. Hey man, I'm a mutant, like the other guy said on the last tweet. I'm a mutant, you know what I'm saying? I got I got a lot of other stuff you don't know about too. Just ask your girls. Like nah. <laughs> Danny Garcia always looks like he's gonna shit himself before his fights. Danny Garcia ain't scared of nobody, man. You already know. Danny Garcia, put him in front of me and I'll fight him. I just shit on people. I, I don't shit myself, I shit on people. Danny Garcia nickname should be Forrest Gump. Yeah, he looked like to he yeah, he liked to run from fights. Run from who? Tell me who I ran from. I fought the best at Junior Welterweight. I fought the best at Welterweight. And I was supposed to fight another one coming up this fight, but it didn't happen, so you know. Everything happens for a reason. Okay, here we are, a standing eight count, the first standing eight count of the new decade. Of course, I have with me Karan Bhatia. He is the host of Ask the Expert podcast, former HBO sports producer, producer extraordinaire, uh, right now for five films as well. Let's get right into it, Karan. A lot of big fights on the schedule yep. upcoming uh, in 2020. But no fight bigger than Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, the rematch. Now, we'll have plenty of time to break down the X's and O's of this fight, but let's talk about the stuff that fans seem to love. That is not the politics, but how this deal was made. It's a very comp complicated situation between uh, Top Rank and the PBC, as well as no press tour as well. What do you want to start with? Let's get into that stuff right now. Happy New Year to you, Dan, and we're looking forward to a big year of fights in 2020, and I like that we have a huge heavyweight matchup. It's a rematch. I can't wait. Here's what I don't like. Why is there no press tour? These are two of the biggest talkers in our sport. Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, they love talking smack. They love going back and forth. A couple reasons, maybe just speculation, maybe uh, Fury's living rent-free in Wilder's head, and Wilder said, hey, I don't want to get involved in that. Um, let, let's put it this way. This fight, it does sell itself in a way. They're both undefeated. They're both in their prime. There's the WBC champion versus the lineal champion. And they had a first fight, which was amazing, which we'll talk about. But why is there no press tour? I'm a little disappointed. What about you? I'm very disappointed and very surprised that there, there's no press tour, at least... We don't think there's a press tour. We haven't, right. up until we're recording this, there hasn't been nothing set in stone. The fight uh, is fastly approaching here uh, for the 2020 uh, uh, calendar, and we're not getting a press tour. I'm very surprised, mostly because it's a very easy thing to do. And, Karen, we've been to a lot of these press tours. We've been to a lot of uh, press conferences. They're usually very boring. They're yes. usually very monotone, and it's a lot of the fighters go through the motions. Not the case with this one. You have two fighters that are brilliant speakers, two fighters that seem to dislike each other, and not only that, in this new era of viral moments and, and Twitter clips and, and Instagram and social media, you need the, those moments. The first fight, it was amazing. The press conference on the Intrepid in, in New York City generated a lot of shareable moments, generated right. a lot of viral moments, whether it was Fury getting in the head of Deontay Wilder or Wilder you know, fighting back uh, to what Fury was saying. You need, even if you have one event, you do it in New York City, you do it in L.A., wherever, you need them to get together one more time, talk about that, that first fight, which was very memorable, Give you some clips that you can put on social media to right. push this forward. It's a big fight, and they have grand aspirations. We'll talk about that in a second. But you have to 
do the right things, to, you know, in order to get that fight going. Like, why the whole point of this rematch of marinating it, as Bob Aaron would say, <laughs> is to build it up more. Right. So you're here, why start skimping? I'm a little surprised by that, and I'm also a little surprised by some of the things that uh, Joe Testor had said about it being a uh, the biggest pay-per-view of all time. Well, that, that's the thing. It's going to have the two huge marketing arms behind it, and that is Fox and ESPN, and that is big. This isn't the same as Pacquiao Mayweather, because that was on HBO and Showtime. So those were, they had boxing as their program. These are networks that have all sports, and so now all sports fans are going to see programming from Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, and they have the biggest marketing chip that you could ever have. The first fight where Fury is doing his thing, dancing around Wilder, and then boom! Yep. In the last round, Fury lands that right hand left hook. Uh, sorry, Wilder lands that right hand left hook. Down goes Wilder, and we know down goes Fury, and we know that Fury got up with 9.9 seconds. That is what you need to sell this fight, but it would really be nice if they accompanied that with some good smack talk back and forth with these guys. But well, one thing we know we're getting is some shoulder programming. You'll be producing. Yes, sir. I'll be on it. Check out uh, ESPN and Fox. We got you covered. Another big fight to look forward to on the 2020 calendar, and this time it involves Teofimo Lopez, the 22-year-old phenom. He just knocked out Richard Comey for the title. He is slated to fight Vasily Lomachenko in April. So, Dan, I'll ask you this. Is Teofimo Lopez biting off more than he can chew? Well, this is it for Teofimo. He's been calling for this fight for a very long time, did a lot of interviews with Teofimo, and he brought up Lomachenko uh, a long time ago. Same thing with his father, uh, they're a dynamic duo, and for TFMO, I feel like he's playing with house money right now in a way. you got to take a look at it. He's young. He's an inexperienced in relation to Vasil Lomachenko. He's going into this fight as a, as a live underdog, but an underdog nonetheless. Let's just say he puts up a good performance and he loses to Lomachenko. That will be fine for, for Tiafimo's career. He will be able to rebuild it because of his age and because of the fact he's taking on one of the best pound-for-pound -pound fighters uh, in the world. Let's even say that he pulls up Canelo. And I, what I mean by that is Canelo's performance against Mayweather, kind of the same thing. He was a young fighter taking on a huge risk. Let's say Teofimo gets absolutely shut out by Vasil Lomachenko. He still has enough time to rebuild, and he still has enough time to get another title shot, like just like Canelo, and go on to be uh, a pound-for-pound great uh, in his own right. But I think that is playing with house money. I think as long as he doesn't get you know totally destroyed in there, I think that he could uh, you know come out of this either as a winner, and I'd like, of course, if he wins, he's a global superstar, so I think Teofimo is playing with house money right now. There's a lot of upside there for Teofimo, and we know that, and it probably is worth him taking this risk. Like you said, even if he loses the way that Canelo did, you could still be a star later on in the sport, and we see Canelo doing that now, but Teofimo said in our interviews, we spoke to him, he said, I don't respect Lomachenko, right? So this is a little bit more personal. It's not just a, uh, a fight. He doesn't respect this guy. He doesn't like this guy, and he may be biting off more than he could chew. Maybe we'll We'll see because Lomachenko ends careers, right? There's guys who are rolling. Nicholas Walters was a power puncher knocking people out. Lomachenko ended his career. Rigandau, Guillermo Rigandau was a huge smack talker. He had that Cuban style, that slick style. Rigandau talked so much smack. He would put up cartoons and memes and all this stuff. 
Lomachenko erased him, and Rigada was unheard of for a full year. Didn't tweet. Did, was, did, we didn't know where this guy went into hiding. Right. This is what Lomachenko does to people. So I think uh, it is a good opportunity for Tiofimo, but I should. I think he should be careful. He may be flying a little bit too close to the sun on this one. Yeah, I mean, he's also we know Tiofimo. He's also a, a guy that wears his emotions on his sleeves. Yes. So, so that factor could play into this fight. But I also think you take a look at the landscape of these young fighters in boxing right now, and it's a great time uh, for the boxing world with everyone that's in there. You got. Javante Davis, you got Ryan Garcia, you got Devin Haney. They're all great fighters, but I feel like Tiafimo has skyrocketed above them because of yes. how he won his title. He took out Richard Comey, now he's fighting Vasil Lomachenko. Take a look on Twitter, you have Ryan Garcia and Javante Davis arguing about who's the bigger star, who's selling more pay-per-views, who's getting more ratings. I think that Tiafimo, given how he did it, he's gained so much more respect from the fans, and I think that any outcome against Lomachenko, he comes out uh, looking great. Speaking of Javante Davis, he was the last big fight of 2019, and we haven't spoken since uh, that performance. An uneven performance from Javante Davis. Went uh, 12 rounds with Gamboa, knocked him down three times, uh, didn't make weight on the first try. Like I said, uneven performance all around from Javante Davis. I don't want to use the word exposed because I don't believe in that, but should we pump the brakes a little bit on Javante Davis? So this is what we know about Tank Davis. He brings out the celebrities, Shaq's in the crowd. There's a bunch of people here. He, he draws a crowd. And he was taking on Uriarchus Gamboa, who was 38 years old. I actually was impressed by Tank Davis's performance. I was impressed by what Gamboa did, but also by Tank Davis's performance. And I'll tell you why. We know he struggled to make weight. That's not a good look for anyone. But every great or good fighter always has that one last really good performance that they kind of hold. Vladimir Klitschko did that against Anthony Joshua uh, when they when they met. And I think this was Gamboa's version of that, right? He has heart, he has will, and now we're learning that he may have ruptured his Achilles in the second round. So the fact that he made it 12 rounds is amazing. So I don't think that we need to necessarily pump the brakes. I know Terrence Crawford may have other thoughts, and we'll talk about that later. But I was actually impressed by what Tank Davis did. He had a motivated guy in front of him, and you said it was a 12-round fight. It was, but he actually did end up getting the knockout in the 12th round. So I was impressed by what Tank Davis did. Yeah, I don't believe in the word exposed. We talked about this on this very show. I don't use that type of vernacular. But even if I did right. use that term, I wouldn't use it in this case because I feel like Tank Davis right now in his career, everything is in his own head. I think a lot of stuff is self-inflicted wounds. And it starts with the weight. Yes, he was able to make weight on the second time, but he moved up in weight for, for this fight because 130, he couldn't do it anymore. So he was at 135, and he still had issues with it. You can tell they didn't come in the best of shape. He fought a good fight, but he took large portions of rounds off right. in that fight. He stopped jabbing completely. It was one of his lowest jab outputs ever, and he was going just for, for power shots. I don't use, I don't, like I said, I didn't think he was exposed. I thought it was more self-inflicted. But when it comes down to it, he got the win. He was able to knock him down three times. But I think maybe the powers that be, whether it's Showtime or whether it's PBC, should really focus more on the actual in-ring stuff from uh, from Toronto Davis and his, his craft rather than pushing out that he's a star in every number possible to Google stuff. That's great. That is awesome. But if you're not winning fights and you're not looking good, you're not going to be able to put butts in the seats like he did in Atlanta. Every fighter on the come up always has these moments where they, they don't look great, but they can kind of still continue. And I think this was Tank Davis's version of that. I don't think we pumped the brakes on him. I do think we pumped the brakes on Yuri Urkis Gamboa. And I think it's looking back at the last decade, there was a lot of like decade lists. 
he is one of my biggest disappointments of the last decade, and it was unfortunate he had the promoter issues, and I would have liked to see more from him in the last decade. Um, but I do think he also had a valiant performance, but I hope that he kind of hangs up the gloves maybe after this one. I think he will, and, and I think that mostly put a bow on this one. Tank Davis got the KO. KO sell. As yes. long as he can keep doing that, uh, things will keep rolling for Tank Davis. All right, we talked about Gervonta Davis. He had a Twitter beef with Terrence Crawford, and that's what we were going to talk about. But late last night, uh, Terrence Crawford pulled his best uh, Donald Trump tweet storm impression and started calling out Harold Spence now. So we have a lot of fighters on Twitter. They're talking back and forth. Dan, what are the rules of engagement in Twitter beefs? Well, it's funny because the original plan for this round that we're doing right now was going to be Terrence Crawford against Tank Davis, and why is he going after Tank Davis, a guy that he's never going to fight, and a guy that's not even in his weight class. But now, it seems like Terrence Crawford has decided to pick on someone in his own weight class, and that's Errol Spence. But I just didn't understand going back to, to Terrence Crawford uh, versus Tank Davis. Why is he going after Tank right. Davis? He's never going to fight Jermonta. Uh, uh, he's never going to... There are two different weight classes. So here are the rules. I know... I understand <laughs> that Twitter is a lawless land. There are World War Three memes going around right now, for, for goodness sake. Nothing is off limits on Twitter. But when it comes to boxing uh, etiquette on Twitter, of boxers going after other boxers, there needs to be some type of rules here. And number one rule is punch up. Not down. Right. If you're Terrence Crawford, you can't be punching down a Javante Davis, a guy younger than you, a guy smaller than you, a guy you're never going to fight. Punch up. Go after Errol Spence, which he did last night and which I thought was the right thing to do. Number two, snipe in and snipe out. Don't go on long threads talking about uh, trying to make your point. It makes it seem like you're just sitting there on Twitter and you got nothing better to do. Do that. And then number three, like I just said, go after someone in your own weight class. Go after someone that you could potentially fight. Twitter can be a very good thing to get you fights. I got Jojo Diaz a fight with Tevin Farmer, and I got Andy Ruiz a fight with, with Anthony Joshua, even though he did it in the DMs for no one to see. It's just a crazy time to be on Twitter, and Terrence Crawford is letting his hands fly right now. It used to be the old uh, 3 a.m. thing was the you up text. I think now it's, <laughs> hey, you want to fight text, right? That's the, that, the, the tweet. That's the new thing. So I think Crawford maybe has a chip on his shoulder from his last fight with Mean Machine. So Crawford got, it seemed, I think it was a knockdown in that second round early in that fight. And I think now there's a little bit of a chip on his shoulder where maybe that little fire under him to say, hey, I am the best in this division, and now I'm going to start letting everyone know about it. And now he's calling out Aerosmith. We all know as fans, we want to see that mega fight, that crossover fight from PBC and ESPN and Fox. We want to see Crawford versus Spence. And I've been saying this for a long time. Public demand needs to be there. Every time we see these fighters, we need to ask about it. Every time we talk to these guys. And when Crawford was in our media scrum in New York, that was the question. And I actually asked Crawford, I said, do you communicate with Spence? And he said, I sent him a text and I said, hey, are you okay after the car accident? And I was like, oh, do you guys text regularly? He said, no, it was just that. I'd like to see, let's have these fighters communicate more. Let's make the fights happen. We know Mayweather and Pacquiao, that fight happened because they got in the same hotel room after a basketball game and they made it happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on with Terrence Crawford, but I feel like... You brought up the meme machine. That maybe knocked down that performance. Now he goes on, on Twitter. He's used to being praised nonstop. The only detriment was that he's not fighting the best. I think people are chirping him about his performance against Mean Machine, and now they're chirping about maybe potentially ducking Spence, so therefore he's just going off on Twitter. And I like it. I think it'll, it'll lead like to it more big fights. Errol Spence, of course, in the news, he broke his silence on the last Fox telecast. 
And there was a lot of things from that Brian Kenny interview. We're not going to get into everything there. But he finally spoke. And one of the main things he took away from, from that interview was that he said no tune-ups. There will be no tune-up fights uh, in 2020. He wants to jump right into uh, maybe Pacquiao, maybe Terrence Crawford. Who knows? But the moral of the story is we can expect Errol Spence, according to him, that he will be in big fights. Do you think... That's a good idea. Should he take a tune-up tune fight, current? I think we all saw Errol Spence on the Fox broadcast. I thought Brian Kenny did a good job of figuring out what's going on with him. Spence looked different. He looked like he put on weight, which makes sense. He sounded different, which wasn't good. He says he doesn't want a tune-up fight. I spoke to his trainer, Derek James. He says, we want Manny Pacquiao or Danny Garcia next. They don't want a tune-up fight. Now, me personally, and I think all of us as boxing fans, we don't like tune-up fights, right? Because that means that they're taking a soft opponent. We want to see the fight the best fight the best we don't want fights to marinate but if you were just in a life-threatening car accident where you didn't you didn't come out to the world for months at a time and no one knew what was going on I think it's okay to take a tune-up fight and if I was Errol Spence I would maybe look for a softer touch but who knows maybe he's doing that because he knows inside he's not the same guy right maybe he wants the the paydays now it, it, it remains to be seen, but I, I would like to see him take a tune-up fight. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you just for the sake of disagreeing for the normal formats of these hot take shows. I do agree Errol Spence should take a tune-up fight. Fight in Dallas uh, this summer. Take on a Jose uh, Cito Lopez type. Knock him out and put this entire saga behind you. Move forward with your career. But you did bring up a point there at the end. Also, I, I think that, that uh, fight fans would not fault him. Like, yes, we don't like tune-up fights, but would any fan really be opposed to him taking a fight uh, given uh, how the severity of, of that of that crash? Uh, I don't think so. But no. to what you said there, you brought up a very interesting theory there, and it's a conspiracy theory, but yes. this is what we do here. This is the boxing world. Nothing <laughs> is off limits. Errol Spence could maybe in his mind think that, you know what, I'm not 100%, and I don't think I'll ever be 100%, so therefore... I'm not taking a tune-up fight against Jose Lopez or that type of fighter because I might lose. So therefore, I'm just going to gamble on myself. I'm going to get one last big payday, whether it's Manny Pacquiao or it's a lesser payday against Danny Garcia. But as we know, these PBC fighters get paid very handsomely. It's a payday nonetheless. So maybe that is creeping into the back of his mind. I don't like to make these speculations, but it's just a conspiracy <laughs> and it's just a thought that you have to have heading in uh, to the next 2020 with Spence. Well, let's put it this way. Maybe the silver lining in all of this, right? Obviously, it was a terrible thing that happened to Errol Spence. Now, he was being irresponsible. He was driving while drunk. There was a gun found at the crime scene, but they weren't able to link it to him, a loaded gun. But... He said on the broadcast, he said, this has lit a fire under me, right? This Obviously, when your life flashes before your eyes, the urgency of what you want to achieve as an athlete, as a man, and your legacy, right? That has to be things that you start to think about. So maybe he says, hey, I want to get this Crawford fight earlier than later. Now we have Crawford on the other end. He looked uh, vulnerable in his last fight. So maybe it's all coming together now, and that could be the silver lining in all of this, that maybe we finally get to see that mega fight, Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence. January in boxing, it's not always the best month, but there's so many platforms, so many services now that we have a lot of boxing. We got Demetrius Andrade, Jaime Munguia, Danny Garcia, Tevin Farmer. I can't forget Jake Paul. These are all people who are fighting in January. So, Dan, what fight are you most looking forward to in January? The fight I am most looking forward to is Jake Paul versus... No, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's on that card, though. It is uh, Akmalaliyev versus Danny Roman. 
And it's a fight that's kind of being slept on, and it's also a, a, a career that's being slept on. That's Danny Roman. He's one of the best champions in boxing today. He has two belts at 122 pounds. He won his belt in Japan, defended it in Japan. How many fighters are, are doing that? Not to mention he's one of the most uh, active fighters in the ring. Both fighters throw 76 punches around. Both fighters are vicious body punchers. As for Akhamedov, he is a guy that has fought on HBO before. He's only 7-0, but he's an Uzbek fighter that has been in there in, in the amateur ranks. He's one of these fast-track guys. You don't let the record fool you, 7-0. He probably had over 300 uh, amateur fights. That fight right there uh, in Miami, and I'm also not just saying this because I'm heading down to Miami uh, for that card. I think that's going to be a really good fight, and it highlights is what is a very busy uh, January month. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of fights I'm looking forward to on that card. Tevin Farmer versus Jojo Diaz. There's been a lot of back and forth with these guys. They're both relatively in their prime. And they have had losses before, but recently they've been winning. So I'm looking forward to that fight. The other fight, it's coming up uh, this week on, on uh, January 10th, is... Clarissa Shields is taking on Ivana Habazin, and there's a lot of history with that fight. It was supposed to happen last summer, there was an injury, then it was supposed to happen last fall, and Shields' brother knocked out Habazin's trainer at the weigh-in, and it canceled the fight. So now, because of that build-up, they're finally back, and I'm just looking forward to it because of the backstory there. And we know the potential, uh, we know that Alicia Napoleon Espinosa, she's on the undercard, and she could get a crack at Clarissa Shields if they're both successful. So. Those are the fights that I'm looking forward to in January. But as you said, uh, it's an interesting January, and it's it's quantity, maybe not quality, but a lot of quantity. Well, it's also you, you're going to see Jaime Longia. You're going to yes. see what does he have at 160? I think it's either first or second bout at 160, being trained now by Eric Morales. What his performance against Spike O'Sullivan will tell what he does in 2020. Same thing with Demetrius Andrade. Will Demetrius Andrade come out and fight the style that he's used to been fighting, and that is you know stick and move, not really exciting? Or will he say, you know what, I am so desperate for a big fight, I'm going to stand and trade in this fight, and I'm going to get a big knockout, that I'm going to call out the likes of Charlo, Canelo, go up and down the list. So, yeah, maybe not the best fights. There are some compelling fights, but we're going to see uh, singular performances from fighters that will dictate their 2020s. And we talked about uh, Jake Paul. Who do you want to see Jake Paul fight, Dan? I want to <laughs> see Jake Paul fight you, Kern. <laughs> that is next for 2020. Jake I, Paul, nope. current body of the battle of the YouTube I'm superstars. just an observer. I'm just an observer. I'm not going to step in there. But if you want to, go ahead. I'm good, too. <laughs> New year, new me, new decade. Boxing is key, and we there's a lot of the end-of-the-year awards, and we're done with those. We're going to look forward now. We're going to look forward to 2020. And my question for you, Curran, what division in boxing do you think will create the best matchups in 2020? We obviously know about how great the heavyweight division could be, but I think there's a better chance that the welterweight division, we know it's been red hot for so many years with Mayweather and Pacquiao the last few decades doing their thing, but I think there's so many interesting matchups that could come together in the welterweight division. We've talked a lot about Errol Spence and his comeback. Just seeing him back in the ring after the car accident is going to be interesting. Terrence Crawford, there seems to be a, a fire lit under him now where he wants to maybe get bigger names. He's 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 looks like he may force his promoter's hand instead of just get, being happy with fighting these mandatories. Manny Pacquiao, 40-plus years old. He's going to come back. He's still at the top of the game. Keith Thurman's going to come back. Sean Porter versus anyone is interesting. Floyd Mayweather said on Twitter that he's coming back in 2020, and we know that he likes to fight at welterweight. So 
In my opinion, the welterweight division is going to produce the most exciting and biggest matchups of 2020. What do you think? Well, how about this for some real-time updates on this show? Just check Twitter in between rounds, and it looks like Errol Spence says that he replied to what Terrence Crawford said. He said, the fight will never be made on here, implying the fight won't be made uh, on Twitter. So that's why I'm not going with the welterweight division, although I, I love the welterweight division. It's the glamour division in, in boxing. I'm going to go with heavyweights, mostly because there are fights already on the schedule, and we know what we're getting uh, with the heavyweights, where the welterweight it's, it's we're seeing some of the same fights being played out over and over heavyweight division i'm kind of just uh, rebuttaling my own point here but the rematch between deontay wilder and tyson fury everyone wants to see that we know we're getting that for february and if reports are true we'll be getting a third fight uh in the summer so that's settled right there anthony joshua is going to have a mandatory defense and it's most likely going to be against pulev uh, and that's going to be in the spring so we know we're getting with that but on the back end of 2020 for anthony joshua we're probably going to get a fight with, with Usyk. So you tell me right there between Wilder, uh, Fury, Joshua, and Usyk, all four of them fighting each other this year, not each other, but all four of them in very big fights in 2020. No other division, I think, can give you that type of star power and that type of fireworks. But the case can be made for a lot of divisions. The 135 division is starting to heat up. 140 is looking amazing, as well as 175, where we can actually see a lot of the guys under the same platform going up. But I don't think you can go wrong, but my pick is the heavyweights. It'll also be interesting to see, speaking of heavyweights, to see what Andy Ruiz does now with That's his course, comeback. Is he going to get in shape? Are we, I mean, he, he's so, you know, he came in way out of shape. He was 15 pounds over. He's going to be a beast in that division if he can get himself in shape. I still am picking the welterweights. But the other thing I'm excited about in terms of 2020 is... Ken Hirschman, for the old HBO and Showtime boss, he used to say it was like tectonic plates in terms of the placement of networks and stuff. Now it's kind of coming into place in the post-HBO era. We know what Fox is doing with their marketing arm. We know what The Zone is doing. We got ESPN and Top Rank. So now I think the table was set in 2019, and now all these networks and promoters can push through for a big 2020. So we looked ahead one year. Let's look at the whole decade. Why not? Who is going to be the defining fighter of the decade? We know Canelo Alvarez is in the picture. Anthony Joshua, Crawford, Spence. There's young fighters like Shakur Stevenson, Tank Davis. There's so many people. Dan, who will be the defining fighter of the 2020s? Man, it was hard enough to come up with fighter of the decade uh, for the 2010s, but uh, this will rage on. Uh, for a very long time and you brought up some of the fighters now you gotta figure they are the fighters that are now in their prime who should fight for maybe six or seven years to go heading into this new decade and as we saw a lot of people had Floyd Mayweather as their fighter of this past decade he only participated in five of the ten years so it is possible to, to fight in five or six and be fighter of the decade so therefore the fighters right now heading into this decade that are in their prime it's the Terrence Crawford's it's the uh, Lomachenko's it's the Errol Spence's uh, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua and I'm sure I'm leaving some out but those are the guys that I figure will fight for five to six seven more years and at a very high rate uh, then you have the younger fighters that you that you would kind of have to take a bold prediction on that is like maybe a Teofimo Lopez that is a David Benavidez that is a Devin Haney and those are all very good choices but if I was a betting man and I probably wouldn't make a lot of money on this bet because the odds would not be good it's gonna be have to be Canelo Alvarez he's still uh, not even 30 yet and look at that contract he signed with the zone. You know he's going to be in very big fights. You know he's going to fight for the majority of the decade, barring uh, anything unforeseen. So he's going to be in some of the biggest fights, the biggest tests. And if he should win them, he is going to easily be uh, the fighter of the decade for 2020. When Tiger Woods was in his prime in big golf tournaments like the Masters, they would say, hey, do you want Tiger or do you want the field? So in this case, let's frame it like, 
Canelo, do you want Canelo or the field? You take Canelo, I'll take the field. And I think a couple people in the field who are going to have strong decades. Anthony Joshua, he's still, in, he's 30 years old. He's still got a long way to go. And Inouye, Inouye, we know he just beat Donaire. And I think he's, he's only 26 years old. He's got a long way to go. So I will take the field because there's so many great fighters there. The other thing to be said about Canelo, I think a big part of what's going to define Canelo's decade is what happens if... He gets that trilogy fight with Golovkin. How is that going to play out? We know that Golovkin's 37 years old. He's aging, and the longer that goes, the better it is for Canelo. But we know how close the first fight was. A lot of people thought Golovkin won that fight. We know the second fight, Canelo won it by one point. What if, what if Golovkin can upset Canelo? That throws a whole wrench in this whole Canelo is the defining fighter of the decade. So my pick, I'm going to take the field. You take Canelo. Oh, it's such a hard thing to, to predict. It's hard. It's impossible to predict it boxing. Is. Now we're trying to predict who's going to be standing at the the top of the mountain in 2019 mm -hmm. or uh, sorry 2029. I can't yeah. even do the math. Yeah, but Canelo like he's going to bring us the best matchup. Let's just say he starts off 2020 by beating uh, Golovkin. Yep. And then he goes on to fight Charlo. That could be a, a two-fight deal. That could be a, a trilogy for, in its own right. He unifies with Andre. He goes up to 175 for real this time. There are so many options, and it's the safest bet. But I'm looking forward to 20 this next decade. It's going to be unbelievable. And I'm also looking forward to doing more of these segments. Standing eight count yes. has been something that has been a great addition here for Inside Boxing Life. Thank you, Curran, once again uh, for joining. We have a lot of big plans uh, for, for this yes, show and this segment.